Hello, hello. This is Reality of Reality, and I'm Aliza Rosen, a longtime TV producer and development executive. Every week on the podcast, I talk to interesting people in all aspects of unscripted content. Today on the podcast, producer turned network executive Chachi Sr. Chachi is now senior vice president of original series at the Paramount Network that used to be Spike. He's also in charge of development and is buying all kinds of really interesting shows from formats to gritty doc series. The fact that Chachi's even at a network at all might surprise you when you hear about his career path from a filmmaker to a reality producer with a really fascinating stop in between. Hint, it's not in television. He has great stories from famous mentors to how 9-11 changed his life and how he ended up a network executive with a rebel spirit. Chachi. Hello. Hello. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you. I, I was saying before, I can't believe we've never really officially met. because I feel like we met, but I just like it's some random, you real know, like a real screen. Thing. Like, hey, this is, oh, hi. Yeah, and yeah. And it's like, who was that? Right, right. <laughs> exactly. We have the connection, the Dave Knoll connection yes. from way back, because mm-hmm. I worked with him at VH1. and then In New York. Yeah, in yeah. New York. So, yeah, I also came from New so York. Did you work with Eli Lair when he was like an intern there? I love Eli yeah. so much. He was at um, 1515 and I was at 1633. Yeah. So, we were like, it was like, the what East Coast, West Coast. Brad Kohlenstein. Um, Brad's a friend. Nice. Hi, good, Brad. Good, good friend. If you're listening. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Brad's great. I love him. And um, he bought something for me when he went to TLC. So he's, mm-hmm. a, he's a good friend. You know? yeah, he's a good Once dude. they go on to, be, Once they to buy, buy stuff, yeah, yeah. he's best my friend. favorite person. Brad, you're the best. Brad, we love you. Yeah. So I'm sure we know a gazillion mm-hmm. people. I haven't even done the Facebook. I have to friend you so we can find out. We probably have like Let's a million friends. I won't accept it. Right. No, <laughs> I'll messenger you. <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> well, I don't even know where to start. Like, you, you've had a really interesting career you're you're uh, where do we start like how did you you went to purchase for film school i went to purchase for film school suny purchase for all you non-new yorkers it was a double major in directing and cinematography and was film the goal at that point film was the goal um you know i guess i think everyone in reality at some point they wanted to be a (laughs) filmmaker in some department um yeah so film was the goal wanted to direct and then sort of you know, fell in love, always loved taking photos, just fell in love with the shooting of things and the look of things and all that jazz. So went into camera, but because of my ego and my friend's egos at the time, um, we like felt bold enough to just fucking like launch a film production company with no money right out of college in New York and produce some movies without any money and figure it all out as we went. So lucky for us, the class that graduated a few years before us we had sort of worked with them on all of their projects, and they were kind of up and coming. Back then, their company was called The Seventh Floor. They had produced some films that like went to Sundance and all that jazz. So we sort of jumped behind them. And by the time that we started our company, um, First Motionless Pictures, it was they they had achieved some success. So, and by success, I mean they were producing films in the one point two one to two million dollar range, <laughs> like super independent yeah. films. So, but because they had success, you had these filmmakers kind of going to them and pitching them ideas. But like with five hundred grand, right? Our offices at the time were like Nineteenth and Sixth Avenue, right across the street from theirs. So th- when it was a project that they thought was too low. They would kick it to us. And they said, you got these, there's these crazy guys. They're across the street. You should go there. They'll get your shit done, blah, blah, blah. So we ended up partnering with them. Um, we produced a movie called Black Bolt um, through, through my company at the time. And that was like with Rob Corddry and Ed Helms and all those guys when they were just becoming like correspondents on The Daily Show. They were Ooh, like big. I love it. And then like the film went to like, it won South by Southwest. So it's like, wow. oh. Out of the gate. Out of the gate. Success. Crazy, crazy luck. Um 
And then, and this kind of circles back to the projects I'm doing now, um, we found this pra- this passion project called Unknown Soldier about, you know, an African-American kid in Harlem who um, his parents die and he's sort of like left homeless and like without any money and like just sort of trying to make it without doing anything wrong. So we produced that, went to Miami, we won the L.A. Film Festival. Jesus. So just like very lucky, like, <laughs> yeah. but, you know. Kids without real responsibility and just, you know, not a lot of bills and just kind of grinding it out. So we didn't really give a shit. Um, And then that sort of the turning point in all of this, we had we were in the middle of producing uh, our first big film. But it was back then we thought it was um, (laughs) Seventh Floor had partnered us with a company called Alpha Key, which is a Swiss company that was like. The dude who started it is like part of of the Cartier family. So he had like mega bucks. (laughs) But he wanted to produce a film in the U.S., so, Seventh Floor partnered us with him, and this was all in the 9-11 time. So, we produced this movie. It was a shit show. It was a nightmare. <laughs> um, we went into, right into producing another film um, called Fontanelle that I was to direct. And in the middle of that production, um, 9-11 happened, and it was serious. At that, at that, I left out the part where I married my wife. Um, it was... You know, like just heavy, heavy. Uh, my yeah. wife's company, um, I thought she was in the building. Basically, let's put it that way. So wow. I left. So she worked down there. She was in the middle of, at the time she wrote for Waters, I believe is the publication. Um, she was like, she wrote Financial Times and all that kind of shit. Um, there was some sort of event happening in the second tower that her company was responsible for throwing. So she was there the night before until about Jesus. nine o'clock at night planning and prepping and shit. And then the next day I left and I thought she went. And then all that shit happened, and then we couldn't contact each other. I was going to say, you, the cell phones and were all it was down. Totally, so yeah. it wasn't until like 11 in the morning that I knew she was all right. So it was Ugh. kind of screwed up. Um, and I'll never, ever, ever forget this. And one of my dearest friends who's now passed, cause, and he's such a dick, um, <laughs> he, uh, he calls. So the, we had just wrapped that, um, the first part of that section, and we had planned on 9-11 to go to Gallagher Steakhouse for like rap party. Yeah. And he called it like three in the afternoon and he was like, are we still going to dinner? Oh, like just dickhead. Right. Like, just I mean, timing. I, I can't even. Yeah, yeah. But so. So that eff- so that was a turning point. We went point. to a lot of funerals. Yeah. Like, I mean, it was a very heavy time. As yeah. You know, yeah. New I, New was, York. I yeah, was there, yeah. too. So, it was, um, I don't think I've ever spoken about it really on the yeah, podcast. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I was at Chelsea. I was working for Oxygen at Chelsea Market. Saw the second oh, plane wow. crash. Yeah. It was it, it was, was the, it was the craziest. It was the worst t- time ever. Um, it was the worst time ever. But that was a turning point for me, um, for sure, um, and for my friends that we were all, you know, we were all in this company together. Um, we sort of, our our goals and perspectives changed on things. You know, before that, it was like, we want to be the next Miramax. We want to be the next killer films. You, you know, like all yeah. this. And it was all me, me, me. And like, you know, let's blow up and go to the festivals and, and take over the world. And 9-11 happened. And my partner, Seth Eisman, um, who ended up introduced me to Noel many years later. Um, he, his mother was the principal at the High School of Art and Design in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had a film program that was failing. And I just sort of fucking threw in the towel. At that point, I was going to be out of entertainment and I wanted to do like good. Um, so Seth's, Seth's mom was like, hey, we need like an inspiring teacher, like someone who's like just to take over for a year, maybe two years. Um, juniors and seniors, like inner city kids who were getting to this art program. 
So I went and I fucking without any kind of teaching credentials at all, mind you. Wow. City public schools, they hire anyone. Uh, <laughs> they were desperate. They were desperate. No, they. I mean, they what were in the cool middle. What a cool opportunity. They were, yeah, they were in the middle of getting rid of someone. I needed some shit. Like I just kind of yeah. like need, you know, right. do some good. Look outward. Yeah. So that year, from nine from nine eleven until the following year. I taught and I wrote the curriculum for film for the New York City Board of Ed, actually, because I was like, this is like I was reading what they actually had. And I was like, this is garbage. Um, so I taught juniors and seniors in high school. Um, and it was like I'm st- I was I'm still the person that I was back then. And I was still then the person that I was before that, meaning I like kind of turned that place upside down. I like made them buy a bunch of computers. Like I just went crazy. I was like, like I'm, this is fucked. These kids need shit. And it was like, you know, I went nuts and it was it was still the most fulfilling job I've ever had in my life. And I still talk to some of my students, and some of them work in film now and TV, and it's awesome. Wow, and that's every, so Every incredible. once in a while, it's depressing. Like, when you go to Kinko's at 4 o'clock in the morning to pick up some shit, and one of your students is making the prints, and they're like, uh, hey, I came out here. I'm still uh, trying to write scripts. It's like, And they still call me Mr. Senior, but they're in their uh, 30s, and I'm like, oh, God. Uh, oh, God. Um, so yeah. what was uh, the biggest—it's a hard question, but what was the biggest takeaway from that year that stuck with you till now? In terms of what you what you didn't expect, or what? I mean, like you know, just those a lot of those kids they don't have the opportunities just because of their economic status of where they're from. Yeah. And if you give them a little bit, and and if you're if you don't bullshit them because street kids are fucking smart as fuck, um, and you're just honest with them that they will you know they'll give you more than you could ever hope to give them, and they'll put it all. in. I mean, the efforts were when it was really sad. Um, for me and for them, like the juniors especially, who became seniors when I told them I was out, um, uh, and I'll get into that, it was hard. Yeah. Because then they were like, you know, I don't know who the other teacher was that was replacing me. I don't know who, you know, I know that they hated the teacher that was there before me that had been there like tenured for fucking right. forever and ever, and she sucked to <laughs> yeah. know anything about film. She actually came to meet me because she couldn't believe that her students, like, were digging it and, like, working so hard. I mean, I but, can't. I'll leave her name. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so the big, I mean, really that, like, if you just give a little bit, you can always get a lot. And the, what you get in return, which is just more inspiring than any check will ever, you know. I love that. Be or give or whatever. But so. Yeah, so once you left. Yeah, the, and the reason why I left yeah. was kind of like, was crazy. So 9-11, prior to 9-11, my wife and I had talked about never having kids. She's a journalist. <laughs> I'm like camera guy, independent film guy. Yeah. It's just totally both type A crazy people. And then 9-11, we were a fucking cliche. She, like, 9-11, she went off the pill, like, three weeks after 9-11. And she was like, we should have a baby. Like, we were, like, war kids, right? Yeah. And yeah. I was like, sure, without even thinking. Right. And then I thought it was just going to be awesome sex for a long time. And, like, she's never going to get pregnant. <laughs> like, just awesome, all kinds of, like, not worried about what time of the month, you know? 9-15. Yeah. <laughs> so the dude, her due date for our first daughter, Ava, was 9-11-2000. Um, two, the following. That's year. crazy. Please say that wasn't she the birthday. Pushed her out on the sixth. Nice. Pumped her out. Sorry, Eva, but yeah, she was like, <laughs> so I'm going to get this fucking kid out of me. Yeah, 9 11 is also so, not a good birthday. Yeah, but so we also moved out of the city. Okay. Like we, we did wow. like that. We bought a house. I'm not like a house with fucking right, right. Dude with animals in my yard, all <laughs> like, that. Who am I? like New York City rats. <laughs> right. Like, you grew up in yeah, New York. Yeah, yeah. So use of people and rats <laughs> being the animals. Filth. Yeah. So, um, but so we first moved. You know, we, yeah, it was just like, it was a complete, like, impulsive couple of years, just kind of like, let's get out of the city, let's do this. Yeah. And it was, you know, at that time, because of, like, being a New York City public school teacher making zero dollars, being fulfilled sort of emotionally, but then you have a kid, 
Yeah. And you have like, oh shit, a mortgage. <laughs> and then, like, and, like it's getting you're becoming an adult really, really. Yeah, fast. right. We need money to yeah. make this and happen. And then your friend Seth and your friends who, <laughs> you know, I love them all. I mean, some of them have passed, some of them moved back to Spain. But at the time, this kind of core group of friends that I had, um, they were like, you know, it, it's kind of cheesy to say, but like they. Put me on a platform with the like I was the one who drove the company. Let's start a company. Let's yeah, do this. Yeah. So they were all kind of like, dude, you can't. They were like, for a year, you can't just fucking be a teacher. And this is coming <laughs> from my boy Seth, whose parents were, you know, his mother was the principal of Rikers Island. Like, wow. Both parents were teachers, devoted their entire yeah. lives, and they're awesome people. The Eismans devoted their entire lives to the New York City public school system. So, and he's his their and son. And why is he saying that to you? Because they always thought that we were going to do more right okay. together. We were going to do Got more it. and like big if, dreams. If I just go to high, if I'm just teaching in high school, that's it, right? That's right. you do that for thirty years, forty right. years, you know. Um, which I was kind of cool with, except for the money part. Right. Once I had a kid. Well, because you max out. I mean, yeah. that's just you know. You and you can see it. Like right. even in your first year, you're like, right. I can like, work at the Gap and make right. this money. I can do any, <laughs> right. pretty much anything, right? And make this much. I can sell wheat now. Um, but so, you know, Seth in the, and like, there was like a two year period where I was kind of freelancing camera and just kind of grinding around, just figuring shit out. And then I I was also teaching at the New York Film Academy because of my, my teaching credentials from high school of art and design. People started like, oh, just come in and do a talk here and teach here. So I was freelancing camera doing that. And then Seth Eisman, he's always been, he's still my best friend. He's always been sort of the catalyst for me to do shit. He's the cookie guy, right? Yeah, he's the cookie guy. Right. Now. Uh, he, I mean, legally addictive crack cookies, boxed in Brooklyn. Don't tell me about yeah, them. They're delicious. I don't want to know. Send you some bags. No. Um, so he was working at what was WeTV. At okay. The time, okay. Was it called We? Like I don't. It was remember. Romance Channel. Right, 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 right. Okay. Um, and he was in production management there. Mm-hmm. And he, I mean, God bless him. He was like, "You should come work here." And I was like, "I have no fucking. Why would I ever? <laughs> like that sounds crazy." He's like, you should really come work here. You'll take this place over. Were his exact words. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to take that place over. I'm not blah, blah, blah. None of that shit. Right. So um, <laughs> needless to say, the reason why he wanted me to get over there was because he was transitioning out and wanted to replace himself. Oh. Right? And be a good employee to his people because he'd been okay. there for two years. Right. And he was transitioning out to a company called City Lights that a guy named Dave Knoll had just started. Right. So Seth had, you know, I guess he was production management at Wii. City Lights at the time was doing, I think, like, interstitials, like, Three Men and a Chick Flick and, like, that kind of stuff. Right, 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 right. So Dave, like, stole, or Erod might have been actually the person who went, oh, after, yeah. who went after Seth and pulled him over. So Seth convinced me to meet everyone at We, And then, truth be told, Teresa Petiri, who's still there. <gasps> I know Teresa. Yeah, so I met her, and, like, it was love fest. Yeah. And she was like, you should come here. And I was like, yeah, cool. Like, so I was like, I really, I fucking hadn't done a day of production management in my life. <laughs> right. No ambition. Complete art fag from New York. Like, painting, <laughs> photography, like, all that, yes. Right, now you're managing budgets yeah. and crews. Negotiating budgets yeah. with right. Pelagians and wow. Eric Schatzes. That's and like, amazing. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it was, uh, that's why I left. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a very interesting time. Um, but it was it was short-lived, right? It was short-lived. And um, what ended up happening, it, um, Dave was talking about starting a digital division within City Lights. Okay. A real, like, just kind of not like a, you know, for more at WeTV.com, go to blank and, like, take the TV, the, the TV budget and, like, try to deliver other content. Actually doing sort of a branded its own thing way before its time. Yeah, what year was that? I think 2004. Okay, so yeah. really way before really its time. Really way before its time, yeah. Um, so 
um, Brad Kohlenstein was working in development with him. A guy named Kevin Moore was working in the digital side of things. Mm-hmm. Seth said to Dave, "You got to meet my friend Chachi, right? Like he's a, he's aggressive, ambitious. All the he just gave all the, all the buzzwords. <laughs> so Dave was like, cool. Took me to lunch and did the Dave thing and like you know laid it on thick and the whole sales thing that he still does like amazingly. <laughs> um, and that lies to an Eskimo. Yeah. So yeah, a hundred percent. And and." I at first was like, I don't know, like, like I was, I was like, I don't know, I'm not sure, you know, like, I don't know, like, I don't know you, I don't know, you know, like, I'm always very, and I'm a New Yorker, so I don't trust anyone at first. What do you want? Yeah, like, what's what's the ulterior motive? What's happening? Are you going to stab me? Yeah, like, why, why? Um, But needless to say, I I took the job, told Teresa, and I was having a second kid. I was going to have a second kid at the time, like, or thinking about it. Yeah. Actually, it was a year later, that part. But so it was, it was, it was just time. Yeah. I, I knew that I was done at, you know, what would become AMC Networks. Mm-hmm. Even it was fun. The people there were great. Um, I just, it just wasn't for me. And truth be told, at that time, reality TV was not for me. I just didn't give a shit about it at all. Like, right. I didn't, I didn't want to be in it. I didn't, I was looking to digital as the thing, right? Like as what, you know, what, where it's all going. Um, and so we went, I went to City Lights Started the digital division, um, stole Christy McConnell, who's a dear friend, who was, I think at the time, Dave's assistant, and pulled her in. So, like, I basically started picking people at City Lights that I dug and, like, put them together. Yeah. And then Dave moved us to the top floor just so we'd have our own space to do our own thing. And, we, you know, we were very successful in the first couple of years. Um, convinced Kohler, the sink and toilet company, we flew out to Kohler, Wisconsin, convinced them to launch a Kohler.tv, which would be their, you know— and our pitch, and also um, Home Depot, our wow. pitch was, so, so what would happen back then, and probably still happens now in a different, some form, um, like HGTV would call Dave, right? Yeah. Or whoever was doing development in television and say like, hey, we're looking for a show for, you know, Saturday mornings. You know, Home Depot's paying for a show for Saturday mornings. Yeah. That's going right. to like get husbands off the couch <laughs> to do some shit they could watch with their wives. And then we'd sell a show like Don't Sweat It and then do 100 episodes. Yep. So Dave would say that and I'd go, well, why, you know, like, why don't we just go to Home Depot and tell them to do that, launch their own show? Why are they giving all this money to HGTV, essentially? Mm-hmm. So we went to Kohler and convinced them to launch Kohler.tv. It did a bunch of like, I brought all my independent film people in. So Got I was it. like, look, I can make shit look like, I don't care who your ad agency is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can make your stuff look really, really good at a low cost. And you'll, you know, you're skipping the middleman. This is where it's all going. You were seeing it. Yeah, you were seeing it. Why don't you just launch your own channel and then just put the programming on that you want? And then you could really highlight your products. So then, you know, we convinced them, the the Kohler folks, and we spent lots of time up in, in Kohler staying at the American Club, which was fantastic. Um, we did a, we did a, it was kind of weird, though, because we were TV, digital people figuring out how to do, like, pretty much commercials yeah. long form right 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 but like slamming formats into it so <laughs> like what business does Kohler have doing a cooking show mm. right but like the whole purpose is to highlight their sinks okay wait were you, was it your idea because we actually developed when I had my own company we actually developed an idea around a Kohler commercial where a woman basically comes in and she says here design a room around this spout basically and I was like oh that's completely a format 
Was that you? I don't think it was my format. I no. think it was like 2003, maybe. So it might have preceded you. Yeah, yeah. That, that might. I mean, it, yeah. that might have been around. But the I was same like, oh, that's a or, format. Yeah, it is. That's a great idea. But so so, and you know, the thing about Caller, if you've worked with them, is you know, we're a New York-based company. Yeah, they're so their NDAs are like nothing I've ever seen before. <laughs> right. And you know, our I guess our third project with them, they wanted us to come up with some stuff for this. This bathtub that could literally kill you. Um, uh, we, <laughs> Is that a good thing? I'm confused. But, well, so it was. Um, they developed this technology. Uh, I mean, they wanted us to bid on it, so they were like, "Well, you got to come yeah. test out the product first. Okay. So me, Dave, and Christy had to take baths in front of a dude in a lab coat. I swear to God. And so, like, With, when you like go, a bathing suit on. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay. actually, they said you can go naked. It's like, hey, David Kohler goes commando. If you want, I'm like, I'm good. <laughs> I was gone, and then Dave was like, don't. I was like, all right, whatever. Um, but so it was very strange because you walk in. If you've ever been to Kohler, like the whole town is the no. factory's built. The, is the center of town. Right, that and it, is. And the, it looks like, look, I'm going to get sued, the concentration camp. It looks like kind of like creepy. this ominous smoke coming right, out of it, right? right? And you go in and then you go through metal detectors and then you sign this thing and then there's a guy in a lab coat and he's like, take your clothes off, get Come in the bath. Come to me. That's just to feel the bath so that then we can go back to New York and create the bit of what we think we're going to do. Crazy. Um, but so, you know, we did we did first with Megan Megan Meany, right? She was a TV host. We, she was the, she. we did a cooking show with her. Okay. We did a weird, like, spa show with her. But so that bathtub, the reason why it kills you, it can kill you, is because they developed, um, I'm not going to get the word, but vibroacoustic, the vibroacoustic tug. They, have, they developed technology where you, you're laying in the bathtub and your ears are sort of half covered. Okay. Okay. And with water in your ears? With water half no. in, half out. But there's these vibrations that happen. That the, and the guy's telling you this. I'm lowering your heart rate. Like they can control like a whale, essentially oh lower God. your respiratory system. And he's like, and he literally said while I was sitting there, if I wanted to, I can put you into cardiac arrest. And I was like, am I supposed to be relaxing and come up with ideas for like a show for you guys? Are you trying to kill me? Like what? But so we did that. We did that for a few years. <laughs> Jesus. Um, and we just, it was like lots of money coming in. Yeah. So at that point, Dave and I had gotten closer and then Dave um, started sort of perpetuating this idea of me taking over a TV development for the yeah. company. Um, and Michael Krupat was my counterpart in, in L.A., and he's the chop. Like, he created Chop. People, oh, okay. give, people give us all credit for Chop. I was going to say, I thought Dave created Chop. So, I mean, it's <laughs> like— What's the real—let's get the Chop story straight. The, the Chop story straight is, from my recollection, Michael Krupat created the format. It all stemmed from um, the idea—and we were all part of it in development—the idea yeah. that that— Top Chef was a great show, and Food Network might have been not happy that it was doing so well. Right. But it was— But the best part of Top Chef were the quickfire challenges. Yeah. So why not do the quickfire challenges times three? Well, and not only that, with Top Chef, you have to watch every week to know what's going on. Right. Chop's well, self-contained. But, but that's the self-contained part. Exactly. comes out of, like, the part Brilliant. as— as dudes who liked sports, yeah. right? Like right. wanting, not having to right. commit Stay to tuned. anything. Right. Um, but so, Krupa, I believe that Dave's wife or daughter might have come up with the title. I really don't remember, but it's like some, something That's like that. That's a good that. story. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, we hired Linda Lee to show her. What no one really knows, the pilot was like with Rocco to Spirito and it was totally bunk. Oh, Rocco. Sorry, Rocco. So, but it but wasn't Rocco. So Rocco was great. It was yeah. actually the... Um, the, the show, the show that you see that is chopped that's yeah. on television now yeah. is the show that that was sold and made. That's okay. the show that everyone always wanted to make. 
um, because of the way TV is, when we piloted it, it became something else. Interesting. And we shot, it was like in a mansion in Long Island. Oh, my and, God. And the, the meals that were chopped were fed to the butler's dog. Stop. That's hysterical. It's a great pilot. Did you know, I mean, there are, you know, there are not a lot of hits, you know, in TV. It's just, mm -hmm. we could probably name them. It's so great. did you know when you were doing it, like, this is going to be big? Um, actually, Dave will attest to this. The night before it premiered, I watched the cut. I watched the cut and I said, dude, this is going to fucking rate. And he's like, I, he was like, I don't know. I was like, TV's crazy. Like, this one's going to rate. Yeah. And it didn't right away, but then right. it built. Okay. Um, so now. How many know, seasons? 56? I think they're up to, <laughs> what is it, 380 something episodes now in, in the U.S. And then there's like the grilled and the kids and then the Canada. It's amazing. Know, my cousin won. I have to take credit. Oh, really? Manny Vaknin. Oh, nice. Yeah, uh, what's well, my cousin's husband, but I'll call him nice, my husband. Nice. Yeah, yeah. We love Chopped in our in our house. Everyone does. My yeah, I mean, it's watch. just it's crazy. It's, it's crazy. It's great. So it keeps giving. It is. So how long? So what made you? I'm skipping ahead a little yeah. bit. So you were in New York. You were doing that. You were successful, selling lots of shows. Yeah. And then you went, and then and then that turned into Notional, which yeah, was yeah. then bought by IAC. So no, Notional was IAC. So, oh, sorry. Okay. So so um, I mean, I give the full the real story. Yeah, why not? Um, yeah. So so lay it bare. We were all at City Lights, um, minding our own business, bringing in a lot of money. <laughs> right. Right. There you go. Bringing in a lot, lots from of, Chopped, from everything, from, from everything. all of our shows, Got from Mama Don't Dance on Life, from all of our shows. Right. Right. We had right. lots, and we had lots of digital series. We then launched Glamour.tv for Conte Nast, so like that oh, continued. Wow. So Glamour magazine gave us a bunch of money to launch a bunch of different. We did a show with Molly Sims. Like we basically took TV, condensed it, and started doing all these dot TV spots, which Fun. was my division, which is why we're you know we're making money. And then TV was killing it as well. Nice. Group out was killing it out here. Yeah. So all this money was coming in. Um, and, you know, none of us had contracts. All of our <laughs> contracts had expired. Right. And the brothers, the people who owned City Lights, yeah. they were spending lots of our—it wasn't our money. It was their money. They owned the company. But yeah. the money that we were bringing in, they were spending lots of it on some movies. Some really? Independent film. They were. That's what they did. They made independent huh, movies. I didn't know that. Okay. Um, and those movies weren't doing well. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the executives of the company— we're starting to get more and more frustrated with that. And we started asking to specifically me, Dave, I think Chris Stout. Cool. Yeah. So Another Chris VH1 Stout. guy. Yeah. Stout. Yeah. So him <laughs> and then I think that was and Cleve Keller maybe as well. Don't know him. I, she's 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 Her. still Dave's development person. And oh, their wow. partner. She's awesome. She's like one of the best, I okay. think, creative minds in all of television. Wow. Yeah. She's really, really like super genius level um idea person. So we were asking to like if if the money that we're bringing in is going to be spent on these movies, we should be in those meetings and help decide. Right. You know, and then I'm stomping my feet as the guy who, like, that was his <laughs> life before here, already had films and films. Yeah, hi. Like, what, like, I it's should... not even anything I want to do, but right. it's just fucked up that yes. you're spending money and we have no say. Even yeah. It's the money that, we, you know, it's our relationships and all this. Right. So— it got heated. Right. It got really, really, really heated. Because they just didn't want you involved in that part of the because business. Because that was their business. And, you know, and they also thought, you know, the way that it was run, it was very much like that we needed them. Right. They weren't like more than they needed us. Right. Which clearly so, was not the case. So it was, you know, lots of other opportunities started coming up. Um, a good friend that was working at IAC started calling. Um, asking for advice on how to start a production company. And we were like, oh, we're okay, <laughs> We know cool. how to do yeah. that. But, like, not—what's funny is it wasn't about—initially, it was really just giving a friend advice. Like, how do you do it, blah, okay. blah, blah. 
And um, eventually that became, you know, Barry Diller calling <laughs> to meet. And eventually that became notional. And wow. Dave quitting, like the, the brothers of uh, like his boss, like the City Lights guys telling him, like, you know, giving ultimatums and stuff. And then Dave quitting, them thinking that he was posturing, right? Huh. They had no idea what else was happening right. there. Um, then three days later, them coming into my office, which I had already cleaned out and they didn't know. Like oh I, had, I had had my assistant move all my shit. You must have loved throwing it in their face. It though. was amazing. They, were, they all they offered me Dave's job. <laughs> of course they, they were did. Like you have oh, to stay. And some equity in the company. And all, all of it. Bye. And I was like, you know what? I'm out as well. I was in the middle of the, like the, the. I was kind of riding one foot in because I was in the middle of delivering a really, really, really big digital project to Reader's Digest. Yeah. Reader's Digest gave us a fuckload of money to do a I remember they had English a as a second language feature film. Whoa. Yeah, so crazy. Like, so did you have to walk away from all that? No, no. So this was the part of the— That's the, 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 So, you know, I've never burned a relationship in my life. We were in the middle of, like, Model Latino with CTV, season oh two, God. okay? So that's so, Sarah So I, Yeah, exactly. No, she was—she oh, was came that. season three. It was, yeah, yeah, she yeah. did. She came when I was already notional. Got it. Um, but so we made sure that none of our relationships got fucked, and we alerted people of what was going on, the mm-hmm. important people, mm-hmm. um, and helped transition all the shows— I like we put seat so see, the model scene was initially being posted at City Lights. Yeah, I moved it. I moved it to Postworks. Chopped was at Postworks. Postworks. So we were Postworks. all you know everything was there. Yeah, Billy. Right? Wasn't Billy the he who used the to dude run, at Postworks? Yeah, 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 he was yeah, the main yeah, guy. And then yeah. the woman under him, who I love, who I can't remember I'm her name. I'm not gonna remember her name either. God like, damn, but you know exactly what I'm talking who, about. I know the two. There's yeah. actually, there was actually two women. Um, but yeah. And then Linda Lee, Linda Lee, you know, builds Jane Street out of all this because she's running Chop right, right, at Postworks. Right. So when Jane Street launches, yeah. their offices are Postworks, but it's really just— Is this Postworks own Jane Street? No. Okay. No. no, no Linda really and I guess Donna McClutchy, but really okay. I think Linda okay. are, are the sort of the, the owners of it. But so anyway, we move over to Notional. Um, and what is Barry Diller like? I just have to ask. Um, he's a <laughs> one of the smartest guys I've ever— had the like the privilege of working with we had I had a ton of meetings with him I still consider him one of my mentors I still email him was he intimidated was he intimidating he was very intimidating but <laughs> seems like w- sort of once you if you don't lie to him if yeah. you don't bullshit him he's a New Yorker straight talker fu- like if you just straight because <laughs> right. if you lie to him in a meeting he's gonna pull out a computer and he's gonna catch you in your lie and then fucking berate you in front of twenty other people right. <laughs> berate you in a way that you deserve it right. So um, he was great. He was really, really good. Um, in fact, leaving Notional, I think that the hardest part was like that, you know, like those meetings with him mm-hmm. and just kind of like, fuck, you know. Like, Did he understand why you were leaving? Yeah, he, he sent me a really, really nice email. I mean, they tried, they like, there was a moment where they wanted me to stay and I was like, I'm done here. And that's when you moved to LA? I, so <laughs> this is crazy. So before, the, for two years, my last years at Notional, I had a house here already. Oh, because um, you were coming for meetings house. and right. I was doing one week, one week. Were you? I was okay. like literally splitting here. You're by coastal. There. Yeah, and it's it was a lot crazy. of travel with kids uh, with, and the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. It, like it was. There were some bad times. So, <laughs> um, th- like in the back of my mind, I started like thinking we should just move here to see. I never wanted to move here, but we should just move here. <laughs> and my wife and kids would come out to make life easier because I really didn't need to be in New York. You know, it was more just like right. go back for meetings. But I could have done. IC has its offices here. Yeah. Um, my, uh, wife and kids would come out for the entire summer and this is how I got close with Sharon because like I knew her, her husband, Chris, cause 
um, we would hire them to do our graphics. You know, he runs okay. Charlie Company that does graphics. So just for the listeners, Sharon Levy from Spike. Sharon Levy from Spike. And Formerly of Spike. Chris Pagani, who runs right. Charlie That's, Company, which okay. is awesome. Um, graphics graphics house. Yeah. So I would like text Sharon, like Corey Abraham, who I'd done a show when she was at, at Bravo. Mm-hmm. She's like, you should talk to Sharon if you're on the West Side. So I started texting Sharon like, hey, my kids are coming out for the summer. Like what camp? I want a real camp where they get dirty. She's like, go to Tumbleweeds, blah, blah, blah. Oh, like yeah. that. So we just developed a friendship. I had never sold a show to Spike. In fact, I didn't even pitch Spike because it wasn't like. <laughs> In your wheelhouse. Time, my wheelhouse. I wasn't doing like mail programming, right, you know? Right. That was when they were like, yeah, you know, Deadliest Warrior and, right. and all that and <laughs> A Thousand Ways to Die. So moved out here. So like how it ended up happening was for for about three years, I was back and forth, back and forth. And then um, the last show that I was doing as Notional was the last show that I sold, which Rachel Smith, God bless her, bought from me. From um, Bravo, right? From, no, she was at Bravo now. She was at BBC America. Oh, okay. So I sold a show called No Kitchen Required, oh, which is like right. passion project. And I went on the road and co-ran it and directed the episode. I directed every episode uh, of it. And who was re- that for? That was for BBC America. Oh, okay. And the, the reason why I did that was because I knew I was on my way. I was going to transition out right afterwards. Yeah. And I didn't want to keep on selling shows. Right. There were certain executives. You took that, yourself out of the mix, basically. Yeah, yeah. But there were certain execs that, God bless them, um, I had sold shows to. And we were still in, like, negotiations and stuff. And, like, I called them and I was like, hey, here's the deal. Um, if you bought the show because me, just know that right. I, by the time it's a show, I don't know what's going to happen. But, yeah. you know, and then. You knew. Yeah. So I, you know, what went around then. Some shows stayed. Some they were like, well, I don't give a fuck about you. I was like, cool. Right. And some shows, <laughs> <laughs> some shows were like, thank you. Try, yes, buddy. And it's dead. Right. But so I went and ran No Kitchen Required. And um, right when I got back, I resigned. And it was like, why? And it was because um, there was lots of. At that point, for, including Winsanity, which is now on um, GSN season two, Woo-hoo. we had been setting up all over the place. Mm-hmm. Right? These were all our formats. Um, and at that time, the international market became more and more appealing. I had done some game shows in Japan at this point. We had set up Winsanity in France and Spain. We had done Momentum in France. Like, there was lots of, you know, you know, the industry, like lots of buzz internationally about who are these guys, mm-hmm. these formats. And so, I mean, we'd do it big. But, like, we'd go to MIP. Every MIP, we'd rent a fucking yacht and live on the yacht, and we would set, set up a get did this for, I mean, yeah, a lot of years. Was it Barry's yacht? It was paid for by Notional, <laughs> right. but it wasn't about, we actually joked about that because Barry had a yacht um, in his Chelsea. His other yacht. And yeah, and Chelsea, it is his other yacht, and wow. we were like, we should probably just like do this in New York too, because it's fucking awesome. Because <laughs> why not? Yeah, but we never did. Um, but so, we would just pitch and pitch and pitch, and then wow, Shine, fun. like Liz Murdoch and Alex yeah. Mahon at the time- um, they had never, they had sort of lost the shows, right? So like they didn't get Monsanto, they didn't get Momentum, Endemol got one, Banerjee got another. Got it. And so they started knocking and asking like, what are you doing next? Like what's happening? Yeah. I, I was like, what do you want to do? Yeah. You know, I want to start, I want to start a company. Like I yeah. want to launch it. And like, she was like, would you be averse to, um, doing it out of L.A.? Um, because there's change. This is before, right before Call Fantasy was coming in. So it was like Shine was in a mix up here. Okay. Um, and I'll leave a name out of it. But before <laughs> Carl. Was, no, you'll be able to guess. <laughs> I mean, the whole industry will be able to guess. There was a moment in time where I was in the middle of negotiating the deal with them. And I came out to L.A. to meet with somebody from Shine. Um, I had lunch with him. And right after that lunch. I already know. 
Um, <laughs> Uh, you probably you don't. It's like a weird. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's not the obvious person I'm thinking. No, of. no, no. Okay. So um, I had lunch with him, and right after that lunch, um, I called Alex Mayon and said, "I don't think this is gonna work out." <laughs> like food poisoning. Or person doesn't <laughs> want to do unscripted. Right. Doesn't only like, want to not... sell to networks that broadcast. Doesn't want to do cable. Right. All as like, so I don't think this is gonna work out. Yeah. Blah blah blah. Um, and then because she's a friend, she was like, you know, there's stuff happening that I can't talk about. Um, but there will be some people there that you were friends with. And I knew the fantasies already. Yeah. I knew Mark for years at this point because of the Mebs. And I loved, and Mark was the one who put us kind of in front of Liz and okay. Alex and that whole group. Like, we got to get these dudes. Um, nice. So, needless to say, it worked out. It took a little bit longer. I went into No Kids Required, but I'll never forget Alex Mahon is a fucking rock star hardest working woman she's literally a rocket scientist that's what, this, what she went to school for she was like in the hospital giving birth to her fourth kid while i was in like a rainforest in belize or dominica and we were closing my deal over the phone i love it yeah so we closed and then she had the baby and then <laughs> and then she called you back and she came back like four days later i was like chill out um wow yeah but so it was and that all, was artaban that was artaban and what's that name mean oh my god this is like the, the, the best part of the whole story that okay. i completely left out um when we were at notional uh jerry weintraub had huge hollywood producer who, who's one of so who's dead right he passed away sorry I didn't yeah, mean to be so he's one of my biggest mentors by yeah. the way wow so, you have some so, good mentors I know, it's good shit incredible um so so that was a great doc wasn't there a doc on him based on the book but the doc yes. wasn't as informative as the book but it was yeah, a great yeah. it was it was good it really, was really liked good. it yeah so um hans schiff i'm gonna get someone fire right now not hans Han, I, hans, was, hans yeah. was our agent yeah and Great guy. we had begged him <laughs> we had begged him to get us a meeting with jerry right because at the time we were launching notionals you know very very short-lived scripted division okay but we had three projects one with the hensons called puppet love mm. one called house arrest that we thought that if jerry Weintraub heard this pitch he'd want to be our partner on so we harassed um, Hans, get us a meeting with Jerry, get us a meeting with Jerry. Um, and it didn't happen, it didn't happen, it didn't happen. We were getting mad, you know, jokingly mad, because we never thought we were going to get a meeting with him anyway. Right. Um, and then one of the assistants gave us Jerry's contact information. Nice. That's how you have to work Some it. assistant um, gave us Jerry's contact information. Um, I ended up hiring the assistant years later. So we started emailing Jerry directly, asking for a meeting, and then... At some point, it got back to CAA, and then Hans was like, "Hey, I got you." I mean, <laughs> and I'll take my ten no, percent. I, I love Hans. That's I mean, he's, the he's best. One, but that's classic agent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Classic so agent. So we had a meeting, and it was like we flew in from New York to pitch Jerry house arrest. And this is—I kid you not—this is how the meeting went. After reading his book, after studying everything about this man, yeah, it was like at nine in the morning. At his house? At his house. Of course. Yeah. Susie answers the door. I know everything about Susie, his not wife, his girlfriend, because his wife, like, who, his assistant who became his girlfriend okay. while he was still married. Right. So <laughs> Susie goes, can I get you boys a drink? It's 9 o'clock in the morning. This is a pivotal moment in my career because you make the decision. Right. Like, am, moment, I, am I getting what's a water? What's the right? Yeah. I look at her and I go, I'll have a Bloody Mary. Wow. And she goes, Jerry's going to love you. We go inside. Two Bloody Marys are made free because then Jerry has one. The dog jumps on my lap. We're sitting in there, and Jerry goes, why the fuck are you boys in my house? And we're like, we just love to meet you, man. You're great, blah, blah, blah. Um, so then we transition into after he yells at 
her for having fruit, but it's celery, and his get the fruit out of my drink. Um, <laughs> Wait, he thought the celery so, was well, fruit. He just doesn't want That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So, so he screams at her um, <laughs> to do that. It was awesome. So we proceed to pitch him a show called House Arrest, which I think Cleve came up with, which was an awesome, you know, at the mm-hmm. time, an awesome idea. Um, and he's like, so it's a good idea. You guys have Diller. Why the fuck do you need me? Like, what's happening? Right. And we were like, because Jerry, you did Ocean's Eleven. You'll actually call Andy Garcia. Like, you, if you call Andy Garcia and say, "Hey, I have this problem," if you call Don Johnson right. or if you call, and he goes, "Do you you want me to call Donnie? You think Donnie would be good for this?" And we're like, yeah, we "Donnie, are, yeah, <laughs> of course." Right there and then. Right then and there, the, Susie, get me Donnie on the phone. No. By this point, so it's Hollywood. like so. We thought the meeting was going to be like an hour. It's like three hours later. We're like texting our assistants, cancel our other meetings. Right. Like we're in Jerry Weintraub's house, getting drunk, and he's calling Don Johnson. He puts Don Johnson on the phone on speakerphone. I love it. Um, Don Johnson's playing golf in Santa Barbara. Of course. And he's like, what do you want, Jerry? Blah, blah, blah. I'm playing golf. But Jerry's like, I got these genius boys. Like, all of a sudden, he goes into salesman, like, put, like puts us up. He's like, I got yeah. these, they got this fucking idea that they created for you. Blah, 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 blah. It's fucking amazing. All this cr- He's just like, and then he doesn't even let us pitch it. He pitches, yeah. sort of pitches. He's he like, doesn't need you. You got to meet these guys. <laughs> but, you know, it's perfect for you. And we had devised this whole thing where it's called House Arrest. And, like, the star of the show would never have to. We could shoot him in three days in a studio. And, like, so we talked about the production model. Yeah. And we knew at the time Don didn't want to, like. He just wanted to do something. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. right, right. So that happens. You know, we leave like four hours later. I, I get Jerry's contact, start emailing him just like, you know, hey, what's going on? Like everything that he does, I'm like, you know, kissing his ass for being awesome. <laughs> but he's responding and he's being really, really nice and all, like just really, really good via email. Um, he's a New Yorker too, right? He was born on the, yes, in um, uh, Morningside Heights or like Bronx. So area. you had the yeah, bond. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we had a bond. Like the reason why we bonded out. You know, I'll tell a story that I rarely tell in a little bit that um, was the, like our connector about me, like turning my paper route into me being an agent at 13 and like hiring a bunch of underage kids to do the paper <laughs> route and me just collecting a piece of their paper route you and have, having a whole neighborhood that's locked down. The best. And Jerry did the same thing with groceries when he was a kid. So I was I like, dude, this, I read your book and like. You We're know. the same person. Yeah. So, so we leave. So this is getting to Artaban, though, this right? Is, yeah, this is t- getting the to Artaban. Yeah. This, is the, this is the end of Notional, but it's really about the Jerry, the, the mentorship there, because then he helped. This is the name Artaban. It's yes, the second that's what I, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, oh. so I'll get, like, I got permission from him to use it. So, what? Yeah, so, so, um, Oh, I'll, we'll, we'll, we'll brush yeah. over Jerry. So yeah, I'm worried about. Men- I'm worried about yeah, time yeah, a little he's bit. Been a mentor. He was a mentor until he passed away. Always oh, very, very, incredible. very, very lovely dude. Um, could ask him anything, and he'd always respond. I, you know, I basically started calling him Godfather. Hey, Godfather, what do you think? <laughs> blah, blah, blah. My deal with Shine. Hey, what do you think? So, wow. so I'm negotiating. My deal's closed with with Shine um, to launch Artaban. At the time, we had no name. We didn't know what we were going to be. Lots of lists of names of what it was going to be. Um, I start going back and forth with Liz and Alex about what the name should or should not be and all this kind of stuff. Um, and at one point, Liz said something like, I feel like it should be something um, something like with alchemy and all this stuff. So I'd like to, you know, to kind of nod to the shine egg. And, mm. all, you know, I was like, cool, that all makes sense. And um, at one point, Jerry had talked about Artaban. Um, to, and if you know the book, so basically... The story is that his father was a door-to-door um, jewelry salesman, and he'd, like, show up in town with, you know, under the guise of he had this star of Artaban. Like, so it was kind of like back in the day, you know, like, definitely smoking I don't know what an Artaban is. It's it's just—no, it, it's 
nothing. Oh, okay. So it's literally it's at the Smithsonian Museum, but it's it's a, it's basically a blue um, sapphire, okay. but it had like a white star on it, right? Like it's like a beautiful jewel. Cool. Okay. So. Jerry, the story that Jerry wrote in his book is that his dad would go and say, like, come see the Star of Artaban. Right. Come see the Star of Artaban. And, like, he'd open the briefcase <laughs> and they'd be, like, handcuffed to his hand. Yeah. And um, then he'd sell all the other jewels around. He couldn't touch the Star of Artaban. You could see mm. it. But then he'd sell, you know, all this other kind of truck jewelry that he was that he was <laughs> unloading. It was um, a metaphor. Yeah. So um, at that point. So in the story, you know, an unnamed person donated the Star of Artaban, and the timing all works out to the Smithsonian Museum. Okay, just keep that bear, keep that in mind. Tucking it away. Yeah. All right. So I'm back and forth with Liz and Alex about what the name of the company should be, um, and finally, I email Jerry and I go, "Hey, I want to call my new company." And he knows all about my negotiations with them. Um, I'm like, "I want to call my new company Artaban, with your permission, Godfather." <laughs> Kiss the ring. Yeah. And he goes, I'd be honored, kid. And I forwarded that email to Liz. And then she wrote something back like, you win. But like, what? Like that was it, right? Yeah. The beauty of it all was when we were then trademarking the name. Okay, something came up. Which is the, the, the legal team at Shine... Was like, hey, Artaban, is it with an A-R-T or an A-R-D? And I'm like, hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, in Jerry's book, it's with an A-R-D. Yeah. A-B-A-N. And then I start doing some research, and it's like, the Smithsonian one is A-R-T, A-B-A-N. And we're like, what's going on? And so it's like, what should the name of the company be? Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, it should, I'm doing the Jerry one. I'm right, right. Like, I don't like that other, you know. Yeah. But so I email Jerry. And I go, hey, Jerry, we're starting this thing. I'm using the name. Is it with a D or a T? Was there like a, you know, did they publish it and print it wrong? Like, it, yeah. only because I'm think I'm actually believing the story that his father donated <laughs> his star of Artaban to the Smithsonian. I'm like, and then he goes, it's with a D, kid. And I go... But the Smithsonian, blah, 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 the actual star of Artaban that was donated uh, was, is with a T. And he wrote back, we're storytellers, kid. The best. I saw it coming, oh, yeah. by the way. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. So, That's a great story. Yeah. So that, you know. So it has like 10 meanings beyond yeah, the meanings. Yeah, 10, 10 meanings and layers. And that's why great even, story. So when I left Shine, when the end of all Shine merger happened, yeah. all I cared about really was yeah. I want to take the name. The name. The company with me, and I did. So. so let's fast forward, because unfortunately we're running out of time. Yeah. I feel like if I didn't have one right after you, we'd do two hours. What made you go... From a successful producer on the production, you know, owning your own company, killing it, to a network. Not that that's a bad choice at all, but it just seems like, you know. Well, you know, Endemol Shine merger happened. Yeah. Um, What year was that? Three years ago. Was it only three years? I feel like it's been forever. I've only been at Spike for two years. Okay. Right? So it's two and a half years ago, really. Okay. So January. Yeah. I think this will be the third year. Okay. January. Um, it will be. This will be the third that that third anniversary. So, so the merger happens. The merger happens. I'm under a deal still um, for a couple more years. You know, there's as when mergers happen, there's lots of rumblings about what's going to go down, who's going to leave, who's yeah. going to stay, who's going to get fired, who's going to stay, all that stuff. Um, and we started talking. I started talking to some of my um, who are now my clo- were my closest friends at the time, especially all the shine people around the world, and figuring yeah. out um, the reality is. Once Alex Mahon left, once Liz left, it really was, I, I, you know, it was kind of like, 
thinking about going, and that was even before the merger. But then once Alex was leaving, it was just kind of like, well, this isn't, you know, no offense, Endemol's awesome, they're all great, but, like, this isn't the company that I signed on to. Right. Um, and I had I met Chris Abrego, who was cool, and Charlie Corrin was cool. I had never met these guys, um, and we just talked. You know, we just figured, you know, we just did some stuff, figured it out, and I left. And at that point, I left with the intention of not working for <laughs> yeah, a that few out. years. Um, you were going into semi-retirement. I, was, I, I had told my kids— I'm going to be home more, yeah. right? Like, I'm going to tell my wife, I was like, you got to keep working, girl, because I am just <laughs> going to go on my Stay boat. I'm going to sail. I'm going to fucking surf. I'm going to just chill for a little bit. How'd that work out? It didn't because, <laughs> um, like, I think it was two weeks, literally two weeks later, the day after I left, and no one even knew yet, and no one was supposed to know, and I was still, they were still trying to figure out how to message and all that shit. Um, Sharon Levy texted me. And was like, is this you? That was the first text. And I was like, yeah. So I'm, and I see her name. I'm like, Sharon, it is me, Chachi, blah, blah, blah. She's like, do you want to talk? And I had no idea what she was talking but you about. you just not like, I was like Sharon, hang out with our Sharon? kids. Yeah, yeah, like right. whatever. Um, and then she calls me. And then she's like, hey, I want you to come in. Um, you know, Eden told me that you're, yes, Eden blew up my spot. Eden got ha. <laughs> Eden told me that you're, you're leaving. Um, would you consider coming to a network? And truth, like honestly, I had no. I was like, in, I was like, fucking absolutely not, right? right. Like, in, right, like right, I just right. like, like I never just got off. Happen. I'm gonna go sail. I'm gonna chill. But I love Sharon, um, so I went in and I met with her. Like on on like, even though I knew her, I met with her like on a real meeting. Yeah, it's kind of right. fucking weird. Um, just I got her offices. She's interviewing me, and yeah. it's like you know what are, what are you doing? Yeah. All this stuff. <laughs> Um, but probably the fact that you didn't want it made her want you even more. Nah, I, I like, wasn't laws of attraction. I don't know. I don't know because it yeah. was like I, you know. It was a. We, it was just weird because it, it's weird to be interviewed for a job by your friend, right? Like, yeah. Just in general, and right. then like we ran into Ben Silverman in the lobby. That uh, right. Like she came to get me, and then Ben was there, and it was like I knew Ben, and they was like ah, like yeah. fun <laughs> fest for a minute before the interview. Um, but so everything that she said, um, and I, I really, I went to the interview. Thinking, I don't want to offend my friend. I'm never going to take this job. That was in the that was in yeah. the back of my mind the entire time. Um, I met. It, it went awesome, but she, the reason why I honestly didn't want to take the job was because I didn't know that Spike was in transition. I was just going to say, right? is this when they were merging into General Entertainment? It was, yeah, it was like, I think it was like the week before Lip Sync Battle Premiere, mm-hmm. right? Um, I was always a fan. You can't take credit for that? No, I'm not <laughs> Damn it. But, but I think that the, I think that literally it premiered the week I started or the week right before funny. I started. So people, everyone was calling me, congratulations. Right, you're like, yeah, like, thanks, you know. Yeah, I totally <laughs> was making that show for the last year <laughs> while I was at Shine. Like, what do you, you know, right. the industry is the industry. Um, but so, so like I took the interview as a, like, you know, as a friend thing and also just, you know, just, I had not been on an interview probably ever, right? Like <laughs> right. I need, like most of my jobs just sort of like it landed. Yeah. Um, so it was like kind of weird. Um, but so um, everything that she said, I was intrigued by, and she, I think she said something to the effect of like, well, don't turn me down until you meet Kevin. Kevin mm, K. Kevin K. Yeah. Um, head of the whole thing. Yeah. The whole deal. And now head of the whole deal. Right. right. So, so <laughs> Several I was like, of course, and like, what's crazy is, and is that in the back of my mind, I was like, well, either way, it's a it's a win-win. I get to meet the president. Right, the good network. connections. Like if I go back to selling TV, yeah. now he puts a face to the name, yeah. all this stuff. So she's like, all right, cool. I'll set up with Kevin. It's like, awesome. Thank you so much. I go home. And then like I plant the seed with my wife, who I just told that I'm not going to work. <laughs> I was like, hey, uh, 
I met with Sharon and like, I don't know, I, you know, I could skateboard to work. I'm on 11th street. It's on 20th. I was like, <laughs> I'm thinking about it. It's like, I, I don't have the job by, by any means, but I'm like, there's some cool shit happening there. Yeah. Um, you know, I can do some serious program like the documentaries that I'm doing. Like yeah. Like and the Trayvon. Yeah. Program. So like that all sort of ties back into my film world. So I'm right. like, okay. And I love important it. Important projects. Yes. Um, so I meet Kevin, I think it was like a week later. I meet Kevin, and it was like just me, like it was an awesome meeting. It was me, Sharon, and Kevin. We were in there for hours, and it was all about how, like the process and how they work. And I called my wife. I left. Sharon called me and said, "I think he liked you." Yeah, <laughs> I was like, "Cool, um, <laughs> awesome." So and then um, I called my wife, and I was like, "Hey, I think I'm going to get an offer, and I think that I'm going to take." It. And she's like, "What?" <laughs> And I was like, yeah. She's like, it's two. You just stopped working two weeks ago. I was like, well, I'm not going to start right now. I'm just oh like, and I'll negotiate and blah, blah, yeah, blah. Yeah, it'll be a few months. And Sharon called me and she's like, <laughs> Can you start we with need me? you to start. And I, and I was like, here's the deal. I'm of my word. I don't really care about the money. I know I'm going to probably make less than I was making. I was thinking, yeah. 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 Uh, so, like, I don't care about any of that stuff. Um. I just, it's about the people. Like, yeah. I like the people. I'm always about, like, Let work that in be good a places, lesson. work yeah. in shitty places. Thank you. Work with the people that you love. If you come to work every day and are happy to see the people, I can, that's all that matters. Amen yeah. a million times yeah. over. So, it's the most, more than money, more than anything. Yeah. So, and I'm not going to shit on any other networks. But oh, come on. Most of, I'm saying most of the other networks that I, as a salesperson, right. you know, you, when I, you play right. the game of, like, those people all look like they want to kill themselves. <laughs> those people are happy. And each other. Yeah. yeah. I'm just, like, some networks you'd go into, yeah. and it looked like it was just depressing. Right. Um, and Spike wasn't that, <laughs> yeah. you know, and it still and it still isn't. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've, with Sharon Gone, there's a lot of the energy of the place, for sure, but, yeah. like, it's still, it's a fun place to work. But so— uh, we started negotiating, and then I just—I was just straight. I was like, "Hey, here's the deal. Like, I'm going to do this." But I had plans. I had already plans. I think I started in April. Yeah. I had planned a whole month surfing with my buddies, one of the chefs from No Control Required Talent oh, in Indonesia. Like, just big. Bro oh, please surf tell trip. me you went on the trip. Hundred percent. I was like, okay, I'll good, take good. the job, negotiate yeah. all this. But, but how I'll great come, is that to go on that trip knowing you're no, all set up? Hundred percent. And yeah. but I came to work. For two, the month and a half before that. Oh, really? And I revamped and then you development went. and liked it and That's just funny. kind of gave marching orders. The yeah. team is awesome. This is what I need. This is how yeah. we're going to do it from now on. This many meetings a week. All Peace that out. <laughs> and I'm out. And when I come I back, it's it. be a bunch of awesome stuff. Amazing. So let's just, um, we have to wrap up soon. So just tell me what's been the bit. I mean, you guys are doing incredible things. Like I I feel like you said, you're back to your roots with these doc series with the Weinstein Company and the mm-hmm. Trevor. Trevor Trayvon Martin, Martin story. Yeah. Um, it seems like a real shift, and it's exciting for producers who want to bring you stuff because it seems wide open. Mm-hmm. What's been the biggest change for you? Like, is it weird not hustling? Is it, you know, what? I'm just curious. Like, it, if I can't imagine going to a network now after so many years on this side. So, yeah, people ask me like the like right? all the time. Like, do you like it better? Yeah, right? a lot of meetings, right? Yeah, yeah, a lot of meetings. <laughs> meetings about meetings and meetings on top of it. And now we're in the middle of a rebrand to Paramount. Yes, so even more huge. Meetings, which is it's when all, do we get to call you stuff. the Paramount Network now? I believe you can call. I mean, anything that I'm buying now it's is for Paramount. Paramount right? Okay, like nothing for Great. Spike. There's no reason. And premium, uh, right? Premium stuff. But like, we're still. You know, it's like it's twofold. The documentaries which you started yeah. on Spike will continue for sure. Yes. Um, and then we're still going to, I'm still looking for specifically big ass formats. Okay, you know good. I'm saying that, yeah. you know, if I can give you just so that everyone hears the, the, the yes. sort of filter that, yes. you know, Producers as convoluted listen. as it is, um, that I'm putting everything through at this point, um, 
My favorite show on television that I watch with my kids is The Voice, right? I love Paul Tulley and Meredith. They, they are my favorite. Like, they're awesome people, right? I so, love The right? Voice. Yeah, love The Voice. Um, love their world of dance show. And it's my, my daughters are both dancers, so they love that show as well. Same. So I watch these shows, you know, I've, we're an NBC household, watch these shows religiously. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone keeps talking about, like, oh, you guys are going broad. Paramount's going to be broad. So are you looking for, like, the same types of shows as the NBC, CBS, ABC, and Fox? And truth be told, it's yes and no for me. Yeah. Yes, because we want big, broad shows that attract a wide audience that's 50-50, right? But no, because even with shows like The Voice and World of Dance and anything else on any of their networks, I can literally get up at Act 2, go make my kid chicken cutlets, (laughs) miss Act 2, come back, and I've missed nothing. Right. It's it's a very passive, yeah. entertainment, smiley, awesome yeah, experience. Yeah, true. Um, so I've been playing this game with myself and my team of like, if HBO did The Voice, what would that look like? Obviously, HBO wouldn't do The Voice, right? Yeah. They wouldn't do The Amazing Like, race. how do you elevate the genre? How do, yeah, how do you make it more active, you know, I don't want to say smarter because that like it's like it's sort of highfalutin and it makes right. it sound like a dick. Well, how do you make it so that you don't you, you can't, can't get up and leave, right? right? So it's yeah, right. you can't get up. You have because like, like all HBO shows, they're scripted stuff. You're in, you're yeah, in, right? right? You're you not going to get down, up like gotta, and then you marathon it and you're you're fine. not emailing yeah. while you're walk, watching. So so like for those of you who are going to come in and pitch a dance show, a singing show, a cooking yeah. show, a, you know, a dating show, whatever, yeah. it ha- there's a different bar that I'm looking, and I don't know if it'll work. Like I'm trying, right? I don't even know what it means, but it's kind of like if if they did that what would it look like okay. and I'm putting it through there and and there are a few pilots that we're doing right now that I'm excited about because we're um we're really really playing with structure and storytelling um and I'll leave it at that but like Okay so real quick mm-hmm. biggest change being at the network Oh biggest change being at the network um I mean I'm a get your hands dirty kind of a guy yeah. and and some of the shows that we've done the producers will tell you for good and bad Right, like oh, you're like get the hell out! You're well, not producing this, Jesse. Well, yeah, well, no, it's it's <laughs> I don't. It's it was the hardest pick, the the hardest thing for me ever was that tra- the first set that I went on. Yeah. Um, it was I was not happy with certain things, and because I come from camera, yeah, the looks of right. Things, you're gonna notice that, yeah, everything, right? And I've directed a lot of shows yeah. too, which, which makes so, you a great executive and a huge pain in the a ass. Pain in the ass, and right. like, but I didn't know what my job was. <laughs> right. I went and I was like, well, this is fucked. Right. Can I get in here? Yeah, like, do I blow? I, I can't fire. Like, I, my instinct, yeah. like, if I was show running or directing, yeah. I would have fired all three <laughs> of the camera guys. Kept, I would have fired the DP that fucking minute. Yeah. Um, and point in fact, I don't want to fuck up, blow up whose company it is, but, like, I, um, I called my friends, my camera friends. We were shooting on the East Coast somewhere. I called all my camera guys in New York and said, I fucking need you guys. Like, this is a network and executive, and I started telling, book yourself on a train, book yourself on a train, blah, blah, just come down. I'm about to blow this whole thing out. And then I had a meeting with the showrunner and told him, I was like, hey, I have some camera guys coming. Mm-hmm. And, we had it. and he was like, what? And then he called Sharon, and then Sharon comes like, she's like, you can't go down there and blow out a whole crew. And I was like, well, I'm supposed to elevate the look of things, yeah. put through a cinematic filter, and, like, this shit isn't jiving right now. So what do you want me to do? I thought it was my job. I, like, what do I do? Yeah. Just sit here and just, you know. So we Did worked it out. We balanced it out. Okay. It was a balance. We I had a really really good dinner with the showrunner, and one of my guys was key on the Got project. Got them drunk and said, "We're using my crew." But the D, no, just one guy. But then the the pro, the the DP was still his guy. So, oh. okay. Well, I, we got to do a part two. Okay. 
Well, All yeah, right. Will you come back? Yeah. After yeah. lunch. Okay. Exciting. Thank you so much for being here. We got I have stock questions. We got to get to those. I got to so. get to my development. We're do, I know you have things to do. I <laughs> yeah. have things to do. Thank you, Chachi. Awesome. Thank okay, you. Okay. We'll talk soon. To be yes. continued. Dot, dot, dot. Awesome.